Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OSI Today, the podcast featuring news and views from around the Office of Special Investigations. I'm Wayne Amon from OSI Public Affairs. The enduring memories of the fallen who gave their lives for the OSI mission have been forever enshrined in the OSI Hall of Heroes. And with me to discuss that hallowed hall, I'm very pleased to be joined by Mr. Terry Krebs, Deputy Director of OSI Behavioral Sciences and Liaison to the Families of the OSI Fallen. Terry, welcome aboard to the program again. Great to have you with us. Hi, Wayne. Uh, thanks for having me today. Well, you know, it almost goes without saying uh, what the Hall of Heroes means to the nearly 75-year legacy of the command. Uh, there's no more lasting tribute to its people than that special area. Now, uh, with your more than 30 years of experience within the command and having given multiple tours through that unique place, what does it mean for OSI to have uh, the existence of a Hall of Heroes? Well, first of all, you know, the hall is a very special place to OSI and specifically to the headquarters. And it shows and improves to everyone that we honor the sacrifices of our fallen and that we will never forget the sacrifices of the fallen mm -hmm. and that we go out of our way to talk about everyone on that wall to as many people as we can to keep their memories alive sure sure yeah very uh very uh, uh not just somber but it's a very uh important uh, part of the legacy no doubt about that now terry for the benefit of our listeners uh new to the osi as an organization back in 1998 when osi was headquartered at uh, bowling air force base in dc it directed the creation of a memorial to the, be displayed at the osi academy at andrews air force base maryland dedicated to the command's fallen agents who gave their lives in the line of duty now in 2011 when OSI headquarters moved to Quantico, Virginia, its current location, the Hall of Heroes moved along with it. Now, with various units within the command creating their own versions of the hall, uh, what does that tell you about the culture of command uh, in regard to uh, honoring uh, its fallen? Well, it just proves to everyone that OSI has a culture of, of history and of honor, and that specifically includes all of the folks that are in our hall of heroes. Now it's interesting that you brought up about having this memorial in more than just the headquarters, mm -hmm. generally in every office throughout the command and at our training academies, you know, throughout the world, these portraits are hung there so that everyone that comes through has an opportunity to learn about the fallen. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, just over the last few months, I have given tours of the hall to not only OSI, distinguished visitors, but to senior leaders from foreign law enforcement countries to include uh -huh. Japan and Korea and France. And even most recently, the uh, country of Palau. Oh, wow. The tour. You must have had an, uh, very interesting reactions uh, to those tours, uh, giving those people the tour. Well, you know, the reaction uh, really is about the same, that everyone is so impressed that our command has gone out of the way to do this, that all of these organizations, if they don't already have a wall like this, they all walk away saying that they are going to make one of these for their organizations. That is really almost exactly like ours. Wow. 
Well, that, that certainly uh, does leave a, an imprint, no doubt about that. Now, Terry, the loss of those making the ultimate sacrifice certainly leaves a lasting impression on any organization like you just alluded to. Uh, the roll call of the 16 OSI fallen spans conflicts beginning back in 1967 with Vietnam. Can you kind of give us a, a recap briefly of the names and, and, and kind of give us a bit of a roll call uh, from that uh, beginning point? Yes, I sure can. So, when I first came into OSI in 1991, there were only two names on the wall, and that was Special Agent Lee Hitchcock and Special Agent Raymond Round. Mm -hmm. So uh, Lee Hitchcock was an agent in Vietnam, and Raymond Round was an agent in Thailand. So it's around the Vietnam conflict time. Right, right. Both of those folks were like the fir very first folks on the wall because they were, you know, going after the people that were doing not so good things. And those people found out about OSI during that time. Uh -huh. And the response is, is to try to figure out who we are and to stop us from doing those things. Because uh -huh. the work that we do today and the work that we did then is very, very important, but also right. very, right. very dangerous. Yeah, sounds like they uh, sounds like they really made uh, some enemies back in those days. Well, they did, and you know, an interesting story about about Lee Hitchcock, you know, and about how OSI never forgets. Is several years ago we received a phone call from someone not even connected with OSI that said that they were in a pawn shop that they had found a bronze star in a box, and on the back of that bronze star was inscribed the name Lee Hitchcock. Uh -huh. So they went to the internet, did some research on who Lee Hitchcock was and found out that most likely that it was our Captain Hitchcock, the special agent, and that person called us. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a really wonderful story. So yeah. we were able to have that bronze star sent to us, and we were able to contact Captain Hitchcock's little brother, and we had him come to the headquarters, and we had a very large ceremony mm -hmm. where we represented mm -hmm. that bronze star back to the family of Captain Hitchcock. Right, right. Yeah, that, that, uh, as a matter of fact, I remember that day, and that was a very uh, uh, poignant uh, moment uh, in our history, and I'm sure for the uh, Hitchcock family as well. Uh, now, moving down uh, chronologically uh, through the years, Terry, uh, uh, some of the other, uh, you know, the fallen names uh, uh, were certainly uh, names from our history. That's right. So, you know, as you continue down the wall and seeing the portraits of the fallen, you have to remember, you know, that this is about, um, you know, war fighting organization. So we had a long break between September 1970 when we lost Ray Round until August in 2004 when Rick Albright passed away. Mm -hmm. Between 1970 and 2004, a lot had changed, but what hadn't changed was the mission of OSI. Uh -huh. So for a long time, you know, people only thought like, well, all we do is run drug cases. But the reality is, is that we did so much more than that. And then we found out during the war in the Middle East that those skills that OSI agents had were highly desirable and highly effective in a wartime environment. Uh -huh. And because our mission set expanded, so did the exposure of our team to highly uh, dangerous locations throughout the world. Sure, sure. So in 2004, with the death of Rick Albright, you know, started that next round of engagement of our foreign adversaries in foreign environments. Mm -hmm. Following Rick Albright, uh, we have Dan Kohlmeyer, who passed away in February 2006. Then we had a little bit of a break because what we do is 
we adapt to the battlefield. We change our procedures and our tactics so that we can make the environment not only more safe for the people we're protecting, but for our teams as well. But as we adapt, our adversaries adapt. Right. So then on the 5th of June, 2007, we lost Ryan Balmer and Matt Kuglich. So that was during a time that everybody refers to now as the surge in Iraq. Mm-hmm. So OSI agents were highly active in doing lots of great work and unfortunately in very hostile environments. Sure. So then we had another break from June until uh, 2007 until November, 2007. Right. So you have to remember that when you're deployed, you are normally working uh, just about a 20 hour day. So, one month of normal time is really three times that amount in deployment time. Right. So right, from right. June to November, you know, that's approximately about five months, but really that's about 18 months in regular work time. It certainly is compressed. No doubt about that. It is compressed. And because of what we're doing, we had adapted, we had, we had changed, but again, the adversaries had adapted. And unfortunately on the 1st of November, 2007, we had up to that time the worst day of loss in OSI history when we lost Tom Crowell, Nate Schuldheis, and Dave Weger, right. all in Balad, Iraq. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a, a dark day. Uh, now, moving uh, on, uh, another uh, gap between 2007 and uh, 2011, uh, the uh, the first um, uh, non-agent uh, had perished, and that was Master Sergeant uh, Tara Brown as a uh, professional staff member. Yes, sir. That's right. So people need to understand that OSI is not just made up of OSI special agents. We have a complete team of professional staff members who are equally important and and primary members of our operational units, whether it's here in the States or overseas, and to include these very dangerous locations that we go to. Mm-hmm. Master Sergeant Tara Brown in April 2011 was at one of those locations in Kabul, Afghanistan, right. and unfortunately lost her life. Sure. During these deployments, no one cares whether you're an agent or you're a pro staffer, but that you're just part of OSI and that you're there supporting the mission, supporting the troops. And again, unfortunately, in very hostile environments doing this very important work. Right. Sergeant uh, Brown, no doubt, was doing everything that she needed to do that day. And unfortunately, as I mentioned, April 2007, lost her life. Right. Uh, we moved the clock ahead, uh, Terry, uh, to 21 December of 2015, uh, which was uh, uh, called the darkest day in OSI history by former OSI commander uh, General uh, Keith Givens when uh, the Hustler 6 unfortunately perished that day. Yeah, that's right. 21 December 2015 was was a tough day for everybody, and especially the six members of our team that we lost in Bagram, Afghanistan. This, however, was a very unique situation because if you remember, in 2007 was the last time that we lost some agents outside of the wire during operational activities. So we go from 2007 to 2000. In 15, a very large gap of time where we had done everything that we could to adapt and overcome and and adjust to the battlefield to keep everyone safe. So what we had figured out during that time was that OSI agents were not very good at providing our own physical security. Mm -hmm. So we went to Air Force Security Forces and they started providing our physical security teams, which we called tactical security elements. On 21 December... 2015, we lost two defenders. 
Technical Sergeant Joe Lim and Staff Sergeant Louis Bonacasa, who are both members of the 105th Air National Guard at Stewart Air National Guard Base in New York. Both Guard members and primarily New York City detectives who had right. volunteered mm -hmm. to be part of these teams in these most dangerous locations and were with the four agents that day, Mike Cinco, Chester McBride, Pete Taub, and the commander, Adriano Vorderbrücken. All right. All right. That was, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember that very well. Uh, uh, I myself was uh, uh, on leave overseas at the time, and it was uh, uh, a real shock to the system when I, when I heard about that. But uh, uh, again, you know, the, the, one of the true the strong threads of OSI is that, as you said, we adapt, we overcome, and uh, uh, we do move on, but still with that sense of pride in uh, those who came before us. That's right. So we work really, really hard to make sure that all of the people that are on that wall, all 16 of the people that we lost in these wartime environments, that they are never forgotten and that their names are talked about, their stories are told. And it's a sense of pride for us to walk people down that hallway to be able to talk about them any chance we get, any opportunity we have. So that not only that we don't forget, but we know that their families know that they will never, ever be forgotten. Right. And uh, uh, truth be told, Terry, uh, we are going we are recording this uh, prior to uh, the anniversary of the uh, Hustler Six uh, Fallen. Uh, and uh, we're going to be uh, releasing this podcast uh, on uh, 21 December as part of that uh, honoring of of all of our fallen, but specifically uh, what was uh, proclaimed as the, the darkest day in uh, OSI history from a uh, uh, fallen perspective. Uh, our next question, Terry, uh, basically uh, deals with uh, the person who came up with the uh, Hustler 6 um, uh, drawings or uh, uh, creating the uh, wonderful artist uh, conceptions of them that are in the hall. Um, and she was contracted to do those for OSI. And she said, and I quote, I'm aware of these magnificent men and women because their portraits personalize their sacrifice. Now, as the guide accompanying visitors through the hall, Terry, how does escorting them impact you? It must, uh, you know, is, is it different every time or, or how does it really uh, touch you when you go through that hall? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. It's a little tough sometimes because most of these people, actually 14 of them, because I've been in OSI so long and I was in Baghdad during both of the events that happened in 2007, mm -hmm. I, I know these people, worked yeah, with them, yeah. um, knew people that worked with them, had deployed with a couple of them. And it really is important to me to tell the story because what we're starting to see now is that when the families come to have tours of the hallway, they are bringing family members with them that may not have even been alive during the time of these events uh -huh. so that they can have an opportunity to get to know this family member yeah. in a way that they might not have ever had that opportunity to do before. So yeah. it really hits home with me that as I'm telling the stories of the 16 people on the wall, that, that I'm also reinforcing with everyone 
that these names will never, ever be forgotten, that they will forever be uh, in the record books for OSI, and that this tour, whether it's given by me or by someone else, will always continue to happen as long as OSI exists as an organization. And, uh, you know, very, very well said, Terry. And, of course, uh, we hope that, uh, uh, you know, no more names would have to be added to that wall. Uh, again, we can't tell what the future holds, but uh, hopefully, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll end at uh, 16 names and no more, hopefully. Now, Terry, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add? I know you wanted to really emphasize the, the point about never, ever forgetting. And, and, and what you just said uh, really hits close to home. It, it, uh, it brings, this is kind of a generational thing. It, it, it transcends generations, if you will. Yes, it sure does. And like I said, you know, now we're having family members bringing other family members and aunts and uncles and cousins. So that's why this tour is important. And our Hall of Heroes just isn't these portraits. We have a whole nother section that talks about our involvement in wartime operations mm -hmm. or significant events that have happened in the past involving OSI people. And all of their names are listed on the wall for these events and sacrifices that they did as well. Wow, that's that's a tremendous uh, uh, historical way to uh, to wrap it up there, Terry. Our guest has been Mr. Terry Krebs, Deputy Director of OSI Behavioral Sciences and Liaison to the Families of the OSI Fallen. Terry, thanks again for taking the time to be with us. Always great to chat with you. Yeah, it's great talking to you too, Wayne. Thanks again for letting me tell the story of the hall and talking with you for a little bit of time this morning. And thanks to all of you listening for tuning in. For OSI Today, I'm Wayne Amon saying so long for now.